Live on Facebook Live any second. Now, it takes a little while sometime. I don't know why that is. Uh, still waiting, ladies and gentlemen, in YouTube land. Just there we go. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, and welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We are um, coming to you live today from the uh, home offices in the beautiful, idyllic community of Maricopa, Arizona. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. our time. What time it is where you are, that's your responsibility. Um, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. We come to you on three platforms. Let me tell you what they are. They are ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. They are... YouTube Comedy Schools, and they are, of course, Facebook Live. We build the show around uh, uh, three main uh, tent poles. Tent poles, my friend. What you said, one. Tent poles. And they are your questions and comments that you leave on the aforementioned, um, uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, social media sites. They are also uh, some knick-knack or doodad or autograph or memorabilia or oddity or curiosity we have laying around here in the home office that we share with you and try to weave a story around. Um, and then, and then uh, we recommend uh, either one or two artists or pieces of music based on our vast vinyl album and CD collection. We're going to put a heavy emphasis on that today. So uh, anyway, that's it. Not a whole lot to uh, not a whole lot to explain to you about what's going on in the last 24 hours. Things are uh, <coughs> things are crazy all over. I saw where one uh, Tucker Carlson, whose own network, argued in court that uh, no one should take him seriously. It's not really a news show. That any, nothing he says should be considered to be factual. Claiming that he had the dirt, the dirt on Hunter Biden. Oh, the dirt. You know what's cracked me up? Can I tell you what's cracked me up? So many of, uh, you know, I've got a lot of friends, or I know a lot of people. And... Um, as the years have gone by, uh, sometimes the uh, people that you ran around with when you're young uh, change when you get older, and a lot of them are um, Trump supporters. Trump supporters. But a lot of them watch Fox News. But a lot of them used to drink and drug and dance all night. A lot of my now conservative friends know Jim tomorrow night, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Jim Perry, uh, my partner at comedy at uh, JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, just put up a question right here uh, asking if I was coming down to the club tonight. I will not be there tonight. I was there Monday and Tuesday. I will be there this Friday and Saturday doing sets as I try to tune up for a whole new hour that I want to then commit to tape for the first time in uh, decades. Uh, so many of my friends who are now conservative uh, used to drink and dance and party hard all night. And they're making all this kaflooey over supposed pictures of Hunter Biden high. You know, and a couple of them went, dude, I think I got a picture of you someplace that's worse than that. The, uh, the hypocrisy is uh, quite stunning, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, little, uh, little Tucker, little Tucker, little Tucker Carlson uh, claimed last night that he, um, he had the dirt on Hunter Biden, that documents were being mailed to him, and then they got lost in the mail. They got lost in the mail. So, you know, little, uh, little Tucker who I think probably wears shorts and uh, penny loafers with no socks when he's sitting at that desk. Uh, and I used to like him better when he had a bow tie on. He looked like he was nine. Um, he, uh, he claimed that these documents were lost 
And now the documents have been found. So I guess tonight he will have the explosive dirt on some documents that have now been floating around between New York and L.A. and FedEx offices and UPS offices and Ukraine and Russia and, and Vladimir Putin's desk. Uh, and he'll present them tonight. And, uh, you know, he has one of the most watched news hours. And boy, news is not really thing we want to uh, attribute to him. One of the most no watched cable news, uh, as far as Fox, MSNBC, CNN, one of the most watched. And yet his own lawyers went to court and said, you know, he's not really, he's just a goofball. He's just a little hoo-ha head. So, uh We'll see what happens with that. That's probably been the big news in the last 24 hours. Um, you know, much is made about uh, the huge rallies that uh, Donald Trump has, the audiences that he uh, is able to uh, uh, bring to him live. And then they try to make much of the smaller rallies, smaller groupings, smaller gatherings, safe social distance gatherings, uh, that um, Joe Biden has. And there might be a couple of reasons for that. Probably a lot of Joe Biden supporters have jobs. They work. They're out making a living. Man, I'm running that in my own community here where I work from home, although uh, if I do it right, it, it doesn't have to be eight hours a day what I do. It has to be X amount of hours a day, but I'm able to you know, spend time with my wife and spend time with my grandkid and go to lunch and walk the dog and still do that, but I still have to work every day. But there's people in my own community who are just retired at home, staring at Facebook, waiting for somebody to say something, so they go, nee, 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 nee. So here's my take on the large rallies Donald Trump has and the small rallies that Joe Biden has. If you go to a WWE event, a wrestling event, which is totally fake and just all drama, are those guys muscular? Are they strong? You know, does it take them a certain amount of skill? to be able to do the acrobatics they do on stage and make it even look semi-real? Yes, but it's a show. It's like a bunch of stuntmen who didn't have any movie work. And they'll get large audiences for that, and it's fake. Then there'll be an actual karate tournament. Kempo, Shotokan, other forms. An actual, real karate tournament between people who have a special, deadly skill. And there's really small audiences, tiny audiences. See, reality sometimes, oftentimes, does not get the big pop and sizzle that fiction does. So that's my take on that. Um, hey, but if you want to see uh, something that is real and fake, there's a comic, and his name is John Gregory. And uh, in my mind's eye, he's one of the funniest guys. Uh, and anyone who's watching could tell him I said this too. John Gregory is one of the funniest guys in the country, but I agree with Henry B. Uh, Henry B. is the guy who has called him out as a punk. And... Um, I've got a lot of sympathy, Jonathan, for Henry B. But Jonathan, <laughs> I'm stirring up trouble here, if you haven't noticed, if you're not inside uh, baseball. Uh, Jonathan's going to be at uh, JP's Comedy Club tonight for one show, Friday for two shows, Saturday for two shows, 7 p.m. tonight, 7 and 9, Friday and Saturday. Tickets only 15 bucks. If you're looking for something to do in a safe, socially distanced live experience, let me highly recommend JP's Comedy Club. Um... Uh, it's a really fun uh, evening to go out to, and Jonathan is a comic you will sincerely enjoy. So um, I just thought I'd bring that up. Let's get to the stuff, shall we? Let's get to the stuff. So what I got in my hand here is a, a comic book, and it's called World's Finest. Yeah, World's Finest. 
And anybody who is my age or thereabouts recognizes that artwork. That is classic Superman. Superman's artwork did change over the years as different artists uh, were involved. But that's pretty much, if you take a good look, that's the guy that we grew up with. Now, as I got older, now this, this particular comic came out in 1975. DC Comics, uh, 1976. DC Comics salutes the Bicentennial. This comic cost 30 cents. It featured, um, it featured uh, Superman and Batman. Um, and it also features why, for a long time, Superman had fallen off in popularity. And I'm trying to look. I had bookmarked something here. I guess my bookmark came out, and that's unfortunate. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Why Superman started uh, falling off with so many people. No, no, no. Can't find it. Uh, what? Story of all that stuff. My grandson is now telling me. Um, oh yeah, and why is that? Gotcha. Well, she should be plugged in. Okay. All right. Talk to me about it a little bit. So here's the reason why Superman started to fall off. I'm gonna share this panel right here. Okay. There it is. There it is. All right. So well, let me read what the panel says. This now begins a desperate search across the endless reaches of the universe as Superman, moving at incredible speed, visits countless worlds seek seeking the telltale matching metal. So there was some metal that he needed. In a nutshell, by Superman, for a long time, lost a massive amount of popularity to... raising an eighth grade education and I ain't going to be treated this way. I've been on a fast train to Georgia. So, uh, he captured something. He captured, he captured the feeling of the lower middle class, white population, working class at a time when the America that we grew up in was slipping away. The America of big cars with big fins and big tires and uh, uh, drive-in restaurants was slowly beginning to give away to a different America, the one that was a service technology oriented, and the steel mills were closing down, and the, farm, the family farms were being, built, bought, uh, being bought up by large farm conglomerates. And slowly but surely, that America, from the first half that reaches zenith in the 50s, was beginning to slip away in the 70s. And for those of us growing up in it, who then graduated from high school, and either didn't have the wherewithal to go to college or decided not to go to college, and decided to step out in the world, those factories were closing, not opening. Those farms were disappearing. Those jobs were going away, and the, um, the, uh, uh, the accoutrements of the towns, the buildings and stuff were changing and going away. People were moving out of the center. The center did not hold, and there was a certain feeling of loss. What Jimmy Carter himself called a spiritual malaise, which he actually got from uh, a conservative writer. So he captured the feeling of us during that time. Those of us that consider ourselves 
hippies, those of us who are listening to the Grateful Dead and Iron Butterfly and Led Zeppelin and the birds that still grew up around country music and wanted to like it, but people who listened to country music hated us. He began to, he was one of the people who began to create country music for the new era. And man, did he capture it. Did he capture it. So, rest in peace, Billy Joe Shaver. Uh, I always loved your music. This particular album, how did I hear about this particular album? I was living in a trailer in High Ridge, Missouri. I was living in a trailer in High Ridge, Missouri, I believe, is where I was at the time. Could be wrong. Could have been living in a river cabin in House Springs. And a buddy of mine knocked on the door, a guy named Sam Moffat, and opened up, and he just stood there with this album in front of his face. He goes, Visick, Visick, this is us. This is us. And he goes, you got to listen to it. We, put, we, sat, we sat down, put it on, and immediately fell in love with it. This is before the explosion that came out of the, uh, the sampler album, Outlaws, Wanted the Outlaws, with Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Jerry Joe Shaver, uh, Billy Joe Shaver, Tom Paul Glazer, etc., before that album solidified that movement, we caught it right as the wave was beginning. So we're putting up the song, Old Five and Dimers Like Me. It's a tearjerker. It's a crying your beer song. It is a, oh, woe is me. Oh, it is. It is in that when people make fun of country music about, oh, my truck broke down and my dog died. It's that, only it's real and it's wonderful. So uh, you know what? I think that's all I got for you today. Uh, uh, Abhinav Goyal said, what is honky tonk? That's a big question, Abhinav. That's a big question. Honky Tonk is a style of music. It's also a nickname given to a certain type of bar, a certain sort of, sort of a rough bar, not a, not a sawdust on the floor particular, not a rough joint, but a place where country music is played, usually populated by men, men who are not drinking to a party, but to uh, drink their worries away. And then after a while, maybe a band kicks in, and then people kick their feet up and forget even a little more. Honky Tonks. Was the name of a type of bar, usually a sort of country or rural bar. Anyway, I think that's all I got for you today. Wait. What? What? Hold on, I'm being told wait by one of the producers. Yeah, you forgot the story about the comic books. You said you would do it. The story of the comic books. How comic books began? Yeah, it's a quick one. It's a quick one. It's a quick story. Do you know the story? You told me, but I forgot about it. Oh, my uh, grandson Sullivan wants me to tell you the history of comic books. So, interesting thing about comics, comics, I, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Interesting thing about comics is that um, there was always some sort of cartoon, uh, before p uh, pictures were taken, there were drawings. In the newspapers in America, there were drawings of uh, 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 events. And then there was opinions that were then sometimes uh, uh, drawn out in little one-panel uh, scenes in uh, newspapers, and those became the earliest cartoons in America. They were political. When I, then later on, uh, there was three panel cartoons in newspapers. Newspapers had certain, um, certain uh, 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 sections. They had the news, sports, the funny papers, and there were uh, little three panel cartoons. Blondie, Andy Cat. One of the earliest ones was the Cats and Jammer Kids. The story goes that a lot of Eastern Europeans coming to America learned how to speak English, read English by reading the comic books. So by the early 1930s, the actual comic book, like this, began to form up. Something separate from a periodical, a magazine, a newspaper, and just a free standalone comic. In a way, 
the stand-up comedy boom actually mirrors comic books. Stand-up comedy was something that was done within a large group of things, vaudeville, vaudeville or burlesque, and then became its own freestanding business. Comic books, comics. We started out with everyone, and then somehow we're all kicked out and we stand apart. So uh, some of the earlier comic books, of course, were uh, Superman, and of course in the 1940s as a propaganda tool, but one that was much needed uh, to give people hope and faith through World War II, Captain America and Wonder Woman. So that's the history of comic books in a nutshell. I think I've covered a lot in this half hour. I hope you enjoyed it, okay? Uh, I will be at JP's Comedy Club this weekend, Friday and Saturday, uh, probably for the second show, for the late show, 9 o'clock. If you ain't got anything to do and you got a mask, uh, if you got the mask, we got the hand sanitizer, you come on down, you'll catch a great show, a bunch of great young comics, me, Jonathan Gregory, all of us. Until then, my friends, bye-bye.